Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here. Oh, wow. Claps. You guys, you guys clapped for Liz like two weeks in a row. Now I get claps. How exciting. Um, well, hey, you will see on your chairs. I gave you a challenge last week uh, to give one of these little cards out to somebody in your life. Or, uh, yeah, somebody in your life, you, maybe you know them, maybe you don't know them. There's just an invite to church. It's just a way that uh, you can easily invite somebody. When I have them, I have them always in my back pocket. And I'm just like, hey, can I, I'll talk to somebody in the grocery store, or I'll be going through the drive-thru, even I've done this at McDonald's. And I'll say, hey, can I invite you, invite you to something real quick? I go to a church that I love. I'd love to see you there on Sunday. And I just give this out. Um, sometimes it's a friend, sometimes it's a stranger, sometimes it's an acquaintance, but... Just a tool for you to use so you can take one or two or three of those home. And I challenge you to give out one this week. Just one. Think about it. Pray about it. I think that if you pray about it, say, God, who do you want me to give this out to this week? I think God will show you. Just put it in your pocket. God will show you. Highlight a person for you to give it to. So pray. Pray every day. Say, hey, God, who do you want me to give this out to? Um, I think God has a divine appointment for you with someone, just to invite them into church and let them know Christ's love. So uh, those are the invite cards. You can check those out um, on your seats there. Well, we are in a series right now called Family, and we're going through the letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to his friends in Ephesus. We call it Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians. And uh, this, this series is called Family, the church alive in Christ, because that's what happens when you and I unite together as the church. Um, we become an alive church. We become a church that is alive and showing people who God is and what he's doing in their lives. So that's what we want to be. It doesn't mean that we have to agree on everything. There are plenty of disagreements in this church, I'm sure. I mean, how many of you ever just disagree with your family about something like me and my family? We can't agree what Girl Scout cookie is best right now. Our kids are selling Girl Scout cookies, and we can't agree what's best, but I will tell you what the best one is. It's Caramel Delights, the ones with the coconut on. Yes, I, I knew you all would. Amen, amen. Oh, that's the most amens I've ever heard in here for Girl Scout cookies. That's great. Um, you know, on a, on a church level, we don't agree on everything. We have different ideas about politics and different ideas of even how to run a church, and that's fine. Because our foundation is Christ, and that's what makes us family together. Um, so I just want to recap real quick what we've talked about so far. Right now we're in, at the end of chapter 4 in Ephesians. Um, so I want to recap what we've talked about so far. Because context is everything in the Bible. If we don't understand the context of what the Bible is saying, if we don't understand what's happening at that time or what's come before it, we can miss a lot of stuff. And we miss understanding the Bible. So in the first chapter, we discovered the rich inheritance that we've received from God now that we are his sons and daughters. In chapter 2, we learned how we've been made alive in Christ, not by our own effort. We did nothing. We're God's masterpiece. Not our own, not our own masterpiece. We are God's work, God's masterpiece. And we're made alive in Christ because of it. Then we learned how we are one family, united by Christ through the power of his death and resurrection. And because of that, um, we learned that 
we can go confidently and boldly into God's presence as his children. Like a child to a loving father, we can go to his presence every day. And then finally, last week, Pastor Liz revealed to us from Ephesians 4 how we're all part of this unified body. And as a body, each one of us has been given gifts to use to build up the body. And so we have a role to play in building the church, in being the church. We can't be a church without everyone using what God has given them, their gifts and talents for the church. Um, Paul says, this is from Ephesians 4, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. You have your own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's us. We're doing the stuff. The founder of our Vineyard family of churches, John Wimber, would say that everyone gets to play. That means that everybody gets to do ministry. It's not just like the pastor is doing the ministry. Everyone is a minister using their gifts and building up the church and showing God's love. Everybody in this room. And now we come to today's topic, which is living as children of the light. We're living as children of the light. Everything in this chapter, uh, in this book, in this letter, has led up to this point. It's not just like a random, bunch of random snippets that Paul's just like, oh, I'll say this, and I'll say this, and I'll say this. But it's a one big cohesive thought that he's writing to his friends. And now he's saying that because of all this, all of what we talked about, you've got to live as children of the light. Because you've received a rich inheritance, you've been united by Christ, because you can go boldly and confidently to your Father, live in God's presence, because you've all been given gifts to use, live as children of the light. And so now we have specific instructions on what it looks like to live into our calling. You know who didn't live into their calling? Thor, God of Thunder. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. If you guys have watched uh, The Avengers, Endgame, um, Thor, the movie before, Thor, is he can't do what he wants to do. He, like, he, he, loses, uh, he loses a battle that he wanted to win, right? And so, like halfway through this, the last movie, um, we come to Thor, and Thor is just this, like, you know who Thor is. He's, like, ripped, you know. He, I, if you want, he's kind of like me, you know. Like, he's muscular and, and good-looking and ripped, and his, his biceps, you know, are the size of most people's thighs. You know, he's just huge, muscular, strong. He's a god, right? Well, we, we get to him in the middle of this movie, and he's given up on life. Like, he's given up on his calling. He's done. We walk into his house. He's living, like, in a bachelor pad with his friends. He's fat. He actually looks like this, you know. Like, this is what he actually looked like. He, he drank too much, and he's half drunk and playing video games and swearing at teenagers across the world because he's losing his game or whatever. He's not living up to his calling. I've got a little clip here. Uh, run the clip. It's just a couple seconds. Oops. It won't be funny if we can't hear it. They'll get it. Don't worry. No? He says, it, okay, I'll do it. I'll be Thor. It's just a couple. 
Oh, we'll need it for the second one, though, so we might as well fix it now. I have another video for you guys later. He says, do you know what I'm the god of? And then one guy's like, Funyuns? Ice cream? That was the funny part, because he's fat now. But you guys can keep working on fixing it, because I'll need it for the second one. That one will actually need to hear. I can't do the whole video next time. Um, but we'll figure it out. Thanks for your, thanks for your laughter. Um, so that's Thor. He's not living up to his calling. Um, and he's a god. He's got no business like playing video games and uh, drinking his life away. He's got a huge calling, right? He's got a calling to go save the world and be a part of that. And so this next passage that we're about to read is about living into our calling as God's children. We have a huge job to do as God's children. Is the video ready? Should we watch it? I feel like I... Yeah, let's try it. Avengers Endgame is the number one movie in the world two weeks in a row. What do you think is coursing through my veins? She's with ice cream and lightning. Yeah. Avengers Endgame. That's it. Cheese whiz, ice cream. There's another clip I found. He's, uh, it's like an outtake. He says Funyuns. But anyway, um, he's not living up to his calling. So here's what we do. We live up to our calling. Um, so if you want to open to Ephesians 4, 17... I really encourage you to follow along. There's a lot of scripture here. This isn't the handout that I have for you yet. That comes later. But Ephesians 4.17, if you've got a Bible or a device, you can just Google that. Ephesians 4.17 or Ephesians 4. Um, you can open your Bibles. There's also some Bibles in the back if you prefer paper ones. But follow along with me. I think it's important to like follow along, see where I am, see what God's saying. You can go back and read as I'm talking. So Ephesians 4.17. With authority, with the, with authority. <laughs> I think I started to read authority, and then we just talked about that. Okay. Heresies. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them because they have their minds closed and have hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Christ, you have learned that the truth comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You know who Paul is telling to not live like Gentiles in the first part? Gentiles. Most of these people are Gentiles in Ephesus. And he's saying, don't live like the Gentiles do. This might be like if I were to come to you and be like, hey, stop living like Americans. And you'd be like, Dan, <laughs> hello, I like Fourth of July. I I I am an American. Paul is telling these new Christians that they are an entirely new category of person, that they have a brand new identity. Their identity is no longer as Gentile or in their occupation or whatever it may be. Their identity is as children of Christ. They aren't defined by their nationalities 
They're not defined, their identity is not in their marriage status or their sexuality. It's not found in their hobbies. Their identity isn't found in their wealth. There, and we can also say our primary identity is as children of God. We aren't full of darkness because we've received God's light. We aren't far from God anymore because we've been given access to go into his presence with boldness and confidence. Our hearts are no longer hard because they've been softened by the forgiveness of Jesus through his death and resurrection. Because of our identity as the children of God, we've got to live like it. We've got to live up to our calling. Now, before we go into the next passage, we have to talk about sin. Sin's not a very, uh, not a very like word we hear outside of church, right? Like it's a word for church. Um, you don't hear it a lot of other places. Like, did you turn on the news this week and hear a reporter say a champagne man has sinned this week? He robbed a bank. Like, no, we don't we don't talk that way, right? It's a church word. But it's important to know what sin is because it's mentioned in the Bible a lot. And to put it simply, sin is basically any way that we turn our backs on God. And we say, God, I, I don't want to do it your way. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do it my way. And when we do that, we're basically claiming the role and title of God. Declaring that we're going to do what we want to do in the way that we want to do it. If I'm going to slander the character of other people, I'm going to push them down, which makes me feel good about myself. And in that, I'm saying I am God over how I treat others. When I decide that I'm going to have sex outside of marriage, I'm declaring that I am God over my sexuality. I get to decide how I'm going to live that out. When I give in and let anger control me, when I use abusive language, Towards others, I'm essentially saying I'm God over my emotions and speech. This can go for anything. You can write a whole list of this. I'm God over my occupation. I'm God over my children. I'm God over my church. I'm God over my money. Whatever you want to put there, we can put there. I am God. That's what we do when we sin. I determine what's right for me. And when we sit in the place of God in our lives, declaring that we are God, attempting to be God, we inevitably become less like God instead of more like him. It's only when we step off of our throne in our lives, humble ourselves like Jesus, and declare that we need a Savior, we need help. When we admit to him that doing life without him is killing us, it's a life that's never meant to be. And so we invite Jesus onto that throne to lead our lives, to be God of our lives, and we follow him instead of our own selfish desires. And when we invite Jesus to be God of our lives, believe it or not, that is when we become more like God. In our sins, wiping out our sins, and making us holy and righteous through Jesus. And this is God's upside-down kingdom, the kingdom that doesn't make sense. In this world, if you want power, if you want to be king, you go claim your throne and step on as many people as you want to get there, 
right? You can cheat and steal to gain money and fame and power, whatever it is. But in God's kingdom, it's only when we humble ourselves, live a life of humility, like Jesus, and that is when we become more like God. If you're listening to this, and you can't point back to a time in your life where you've said, Jesus, I'm done living for myself. I'm done living selfishly. I want you to sit on the throne of my life. I want to follow you. If you've never said a prayer like that to God, let me tell you that there will never be a better day than today to say that prayer. And if you don't do it today, tomorrow will be the best day. And if you don't do it tomorrow, the next day, you get what I'm saying. The sooner the better that we start following Jesus. And that's how life was meant to be lived with Jesus uh, to borrow from, is it Taylor Swift? Jesus Take the Wheel? Does she sing that, Taylor Swift? Carrie Underwood. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, Jesus Take the Wheel. If you haven't prayed that prayer, like this is the day to do that. So we're, I'm just going to take a quick pause from my message. And I want to tell you how you can receive Jesus, how you can start living this life. It's just through a simple prayer. So I'm going to pray. And if you want to pray this prayer, you can pray it in your heart. You don't have to speak it out loud or pray the exact same things that I'm praying, but it's just a conversation between you and Jesus. So you can pray something like this. Jesus, I am done living for myself. Today, I choose to follow you. I step off my throne in my life, and I want you to take that place. I know that you died on the cross for my sins, for my wrongdoings, and that when you rose again three days later, you forgave all of those. You forgive me for everything I've done, and I accept that forgiveness. And Jesus, today, I choose to live for and with you. Jesus, I want to follow you. So in the best way that I know how, I say yes to you today. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you, you're given two, well, you're given a ton of promises in the Bible. It's really exciting. But two of those, I'll tell you right now. Um, one is that, this, that God's Holy Spirit comes to live with you right now. Like you get to live with God forever, not just after you die, although that's part of it and awesome, but it starts here and now we get to live with God. Um, so if you pray that prayer, would you do something for me and I'll do something for you, we can exchange favors I would love to know that you prayed that prayer. If you go to lifemohammed.org slash yes, you can do that if you're online. Uh, you can fill out a little form there. Or if you're here, let me know after service. Let me know. I'd love to know. If you'll do that for me, I would love to be praying for you this week by name. I think it's so important to have someone praying for you as you start this journey with Jesus. Um, now, some of you may be saying, you know, Dan, I've been a Christian for a long time. And I still struggle putting Jesus on the throne in my life. Well, yeah, that is, that is what um, following Jesus is about. It's a constant rejection of ourselves and a constant elevation of Jesus. And in this next section, Paul is going to give us some directions, tell us some things that we can do to humble ourselves and let God lead us into our new identity. And so there's some, some practical tips that he's going to give us to help us put Jesus on the throne. So now you can, you can go to your card if you want, your little uh, red, green, and purple card, which I'll explain in a minute. But you can read with me there. 
This is verse 25 in Ephesians 4. So, stop telling lies. <laughs> it just starts right there. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Uh, that verse 27, that foothold word, that's, a, that's like a war terminology. It's like an advancement. It's like the enemy has advanced and taken a stronghold, a, an important key resource or place. That's kind of what that foothold is saying. And so when we get anger, when we give in to our anger and let it control us, that's what happens. Uh, 28, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Very practical. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. In chapter 5, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once, you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. I have a video for you. That next video, Nick, you can play that one. Go! <laughs> So, with all of these sins, just stop it. All right, let's pray. Just kidding. That's not what Paul's saying here. Like, if you, he, if you read this list and, and, you, and you heard, just stop it, that's, we're missing it. In the, without the context of this book, you, you might read through this list and hear Paul just saying, stop it. And it could look like your stereotypical religious list of don't do this and don't do that and you can't have any fun, right? But there are two things that we have to remember in this passage to realize its full meaning 
and, and uh, application for our life instead of just a list of do's and don'ts. So the first we've already talked about is the context of the whole letter. We're called to be children of God. We've received an inheritance. We have gifts. We've talked about that already. And the second is to know that lying and stealing and rage and bitterness and anger and slander and evil behavior, as Paul mentions, these are normal things to be against, right? Like nothing stands off the page there. Those are pretty normal things. So Paul is um, borrowing from moral philosophy at that time. These things are being talked about. Things uh, with the same list are being talked about um, that we should stop doing, not just uh, not just biblical arguments, but just like, you know, regular people saying, yeah, don't steal, that's bad. So what Paul is doing, he's setting up an argument focused on not, not what we shouldn't do, but focused on what we should do. That's the new information here. The Ephesians knew they shouldn't lie. They knew they shouldn't steal. The new and remarkable information here is twofold. And the first one, the first uh, layer to that is how we stop sinning. Uh, what things we can do to replace that sin, to place that, replace that wrongdoing. He gives us, after each one of these, uh, don't do this, he gives a statement like, instead, do this. Uh, and then the second one is what God's doing in our hearts and minds. Remember, he's renewing us. He's renewing our hearts and minds. And so, if you look at your little paper that I gave you, those red statements... Those are the stop it things, right? Those are the things that we should stop doing. That's what those red verses are. The green statements are what we can do as a proactive thing to replace those sins. Um, And the purple is what God is doing. So if you read those, you can see what God is doing, uh, what we can do to replace the red. And so let's look at a few of these verses. I'm not going to go over it all again. I'm just going to highlight a few uh, we'll go to verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words can be an encouragement to those who hear them. This isn't just talking about swearing. In fact, I think that's like the bottom rung of the ladder. I think we can be a lot more abusive and hurtful to people with words that aren't even swears. And so Paul is inviting us with the green part there, is inviting us into a life habit of using helpful and encouraging language towards others. Not just in the heat of the moment when you're arguing with your spouse and you just want to say something so mean and then say you just say, I love you! That's not what Paul's talking about. This is like a, even before we even get there, we want to use encouraging and helpful language. We want to make that a, a habit of our life. And those temptations of wanting to use foul or abusive language towards others they have a more difficult time surfacing up to the top because they've been replaced by the life habits of using God's words, encouragement, and helpful. Uh, The next one, uh, verse 30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. This is another way to say, live up to your calling. And then right after that, we get our first purple. This is what God is doing in our lives. Remember, he has identified you as his own guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. So if I could summarize this, I would say live up to your calling because you are God's kids. 
Next up is verse 31. This is our first triple punch combo. We've got a red and then a green and then a purple right after each other. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, here's our green, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Here's what God's doing in the purple. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Again, we're not just being kind in the heat of the moment when we want to be angry. We, do the, we fill our life with these things. We're actively pursuing forgiveness and kindness and being tender-hearted so rage can't even surface. I love that word tender-hearted. I want you to think of some political, uh, political views that you hate. <laughs> I think we all have them. Like That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And I want you to imagine that you meet someone in church with those views. What's your reaction? Is your reaction to be like, oh, you're an idiot? Or how can we still disagree, that's fine, but be tender-hearted towards each other even in our disagreements? It's a, it's a deep soul word, that kind of tender-hearted. It's something that comes from the soul. It's work that God does in us and that we receive and allow to come out of us. Here's another triple punch combo with the biggest, hardest punch landing in the purple, what God does in our lives. So this is verse uh, 6 in chapter 5. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Don't we all do that? Like this isn't, this is something we all do. We try to make excuses for why should we should be able to sin or maybe I'll just allow this sin in my life. Like I do a lot of other good stuff, God. But this sin, you know, I, I kind of like this one, so I'm going to keep it around. Or, you know, I, there's not many people that don't do this thing, so I, I think it's okay for me to do. Social pressure is not there to change. And we basically just justify why we should still be people of darkness when God's called us to be people of light. When we make excuses, we're just saying, you know what, God, I still want to be a, a person of darkness in this area of my life. But that's not us anymore. We are children of his light. So here's the purple. Uh, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And that light is God working in us. It's his work. It's his masterpiece in us. So we work with that light. We say yes to his light. Where there is light in our lives, there can not be darkness. And this is very similar to how this passage began in verse 23. It's, it's uh, repeating, uh, Paul's repeating his thoughts here. We're not bringing this light out on our own. We say yes to it. We receive it. But it's God doing the work in us. So this is verse 23. This is where we started. This is 4.23, where we first started. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That's God's work. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, given to you by Christ, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Friends, there's so much more on this little piece of paper here. Like, there's so much more in here. 
And so I would love for you to go through this on your own. I, I could stand up here and I could preach at you for the next two hours about each little thing in here, right? I want you to take this home this week. Put this somewhere where you're going to see it and read it once a day. Go through it. And focus on these different phrases, especially what God's doing in your life. Don't just stop at the red, okay, I, I've got to stop sexual immorality. I've got to stop it. I've got to stop my anger. I don't think that's going to work for you. I think you need God to do his work in you and say yes to it and let that flow out through the green. Fill your life with, with the green and God's going to do his work. Those kind of are in tandem with each other. So my challenge to you this week is to read this once a week, uh, once a day, and focus, maybe focus on a phrase. Maybe there's a couple of phrases in here that you just want to focus on. And you're like, yeah, I, um, let's see, don't use foul or abusive language. Yes, I'm going to try, with God's help, to have my words be good and helpful. Maybe make a goal. Say, you know what, I'm going to say uh, six good things to this person who I usually get angry about. I'm going to choose to to ask God what I can encourage them with. Change your change um, the way that you're thinking about that, and then let God do that work. So that's my challenge to you this week. Read this once a day. Pick out some phrases. Focus on those things. Don't just focus on the red. You're not going to get anywhere with that. Paul is giving us some very practical uh, challenges to do, so that we can step into our calling. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have a big calling for our lives. Like Thor, you've got some world-saving stuff for us to do. And you don't just say, go do it or stop doing this, but you give us uh, the work that needs to be done, and then you, you work in our hearts. You are transforming us. And so we look to you for that transformation. We say yes to that transformation. Help us to live into our calling as your kids. Jesus, we love you. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.